Welcome to the Human Design Collective Podcast, where we explore this system as a unique map of our potential, from the mundane to the mystical. If you're looking to dive deeper into human design, we invite you to our Living Your Design Workshop. You can start the course at any time and participate in live meetings with John Cole and Amy Lee. The next foundation course, the Rave ABCs, explores the circuitry of the body graph and the structure behind the hexagrams of the I Ching. It is the beginning of truly seeing the mechanics of the Maya, the energetic dynamics that shape our experience. Our next Rave ABCs live online nine-week course begins January 13th, 2021. For more information and to register, go to courses.humandesigncollective.com. In today's episode, we discuss the business and career application of human design known as BG5. It uses the charting system of individuals and small groups to understand the functionality of each person and the organization as a whole. Our guest is Karen Sherwood, the Director of Training, Marketing, and Educational Development at the BG5 Business Institute, which is part of the International Human Design School. She has been instrumental in developing the current BG5 curriculum and has a talent for creating simple language and analogies that are immediately recognizable and widely accessible. She shares with us her enthusiasm, her personal story, and her sense of where work life and business dynamics are headed in the future. Well, hello and welcome, Karen. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, it is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me here. We always like to start with finding out about your story. For most people we've talked with, there's some kind of an interesting adventure involved in how human design finds you and what happens after. So would you tell us a bit about how you came to human design and what came after? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it was, um, it was quite, a, uh, quite a journey in getting here. It started around 89, actually. And I was working at uh, ABC Television, and I decided to quit my job and backpack around Europe. Nice. So I did my own sort of soul searching. And, and I do the BG5 Business Institute, so we focus on business. So it's a, a little bit less esoteric. So this is something that I really haven't shared with a lot of people. Because during this journey, I had an opportunity to, I was in Barcelona, Spain for about six months. I had a friend who was uh, interning in England. So I was taking place, care of her place for six months. And I was just meditating. I was on my own sort of spiritual quest. And I was in a meditation. And in that meditation, I saw a yellow diamond on my chest with a line going straight up to my throat. And the message was, find the people that know what this means. Wow. So I was like, okay. <laughs> 20 years later. So in the meantime, I was, um, you know, so it's like, what does that mean? And, and of all things, find the people that know what this means was the message. So started working for Up With People. It's an international group that travels around and I'm, I'm searching and looking. Nothing was really there. I moved to Boston. I was studying counseling psychology. I wrote papers on what I called the diamond of the soul. I was trying to figure it out, but I didn't meet anyone who knew what that meant. I worked for Landmark Education, you know, looking for something there eventually moved back to Denver, Colorado, where I grew up. And I was doing training, traveling around the world. So I did a lot of corporate training. So I had actually the opportunity to go into a lot of different businesses, everything from nonprofits to military installations, to large corporations, to small corporations. I actually trained Microsoft PowerPoint at Microsoft. Uh, so I had an opportunity to explore many different businesses and train at many different businesses. The point of all of this is that it feels like it all led up to the BG5 Business Institute. Every single thing that I did was sort of these layers upon layers, but I still hadn't found what this diamond thing was. So I started an online women's small business network. I was doing webinars. I even did some kind of webinar on this diamond of the soul thing, trying to figure it out. And then one of the women on my network had someone who was going to be speaking about human design here in Colorado. And I had no idea what it was. And on that webinar was the first time that I had actually seen my design. And it was the weirdest experience. It was almost like I saw my design and it was like, like all of these things just fell into place. 
And it was like, I knew everything about it, but I knew nothing. It was this really bizarre experience, like, where the heck has this been? And there's that diamond. And I happen to have the one eight, right? So the one eight is literally the G center or what we call in, in BG5, we call it the identity and direction function connected directly to the throat to communication and action. So it actually is a part of my design. So I saw that and went, I need to know what this is. So I went to this workshop, I got my first reading and I've literally been studying it every day ever since then. I was looking at all of the things that had happened in my life. And it was interesting before I found human design and before I found BG5, I was actually doing some coaching. We were doing some business coaching where we were taking a look at the dynamics of different groups. So what is it when you're working solo? What is it when you're working in partnership? What is it when you're working in a small group? And then recognizing that the dynamics completely shift when you have more than five people. You know, so we were playing with all of these dynamics. This is before I knew anything about BG5. And a couple months before I ran into human, well, actually it was probably a year before I ran into human design. I ran into someone who knew about the I Ching. So I was studying the I Ching and in third grade, I learned about astrology. So it was like all of these pieces coming together that like culminated in that moment of this is the people that know what this means. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that was my journey of how I learned about uh, human design. And like I said, I've been literally studying it nonstop ever since. So when you saw that body graph for the first time and you saw that diamond there, there was a recognition that maybe even your mind didn't necessarily understand, but you felt that recognition. Absolutely. Knowing what it was. Absolutely. It's like when you've been searching for something for, it was 20 years later, you've been searching for something for that long. And then all of a sudden, and it, it kind of like, it's always in the back of my mind. I'm always listening for it, but never saw anything. And then to actually see that that actually did exist was wow. amazing. Wow. Shocking. It sounds like. Yeah. And beautiful. Yeah. What was your sense of before you actually saw it on the body graph? What was your sense of what that was before yeah. you found the people who knew something about it? Well, it was interesting because I knew, you know, because a lot of people talk about the chest as being the heart. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but it's not the heart. It's the heart is something different. And it also in human design, right? The heart is a, a different center. It's a different function. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's not the heart, it, but it's something there. It's like the seed of the soul or it's the, you know, something that really grounds you. It's something, this is like where love comes from, not the heart, but that didn't make any sense. But now knowing human design, it makes complete sense because we have the four love gates or four love traits about direction, you know, and I have, I have all of the gates of direction plus the one eight. It's interesting because we were recently having a conversation where some people were having this discussion about what do people mean when they say, follow your heart? What are they actually talking about? What does that mm. mean? And we ended up having this big talk among a bunch of people who are studying human design about what, what are people referring to when they're saying that? And as I'm listening to you, it's the phrase is coming to me as the higher self, mm -hmm. or like you're saying some part of our soul, but it's connected to some kind of a sense of identity and direction. Yep, exactly. So then sounds like you dove in right mm -hmm. away and needed to know more. How did your experimentation and education unfold from there? I started studying. I started just taking in everything that I could. And I actually didn't even, at the point, the person that I learned it from, I didn't know that Ra even existed until about a month before he passed away. And I'm like, oh, I was heartbroken. Uh, so in the searching, you know, I got to IHDS and on IHDS, I saw BG5. This was before it became the BG5 Business Institute, but it was training on BG5. And my gut response was so strong. It was like, I could not not do it. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, I don't have the money. I can't really do it. And every time I would come back to the website, it's like, mm, <laughs> I, I have to do this. I have to do this. It was literally right before the early bird special ended that it's like, okay, somehow I found the money and I signed up for it. 
And then going through BG5 and learning, you know, about the basically, you know, one of the things we take a look at in BG5 are the different dynamics. What is it like working solo? What is it like working in partnership? What is it, what is it like working in a small group? What is it like working in a larger group? So, you know, the larger group being the OC16, I was like, oh my goodness, this is exactly, you know, what we were, you know, that we were experimenting with, that we were playing with and all of these pieces starting to come together. I loved it. And once I finished my certification and, and working and doing my final project, it was magical to actually walk into a, a business, knowing where the gaps were, knowing what the struggles were, knowing and, and seeing literally not only seeing the dynamics, but feeling the dynamics of the entire business. It was like, wow. This is powerful stuff. So once I finished my training, I, I want more. What can I do? So I assisted. So Michael Brown was my instructor. So I assisted him for the next year for the next round of the certification. And then he chose not to teach anymore. And so Linda started teaching. So she taught the first six classes and she said, well, what do you think about teaching the sixth class? I'm like, sure, I'll teach it. So I taught the sixth class. Oh, what do you, what do you think about teaching the next one? <laughs> the next one. <laughs> <laughs> so basically from there, I, in a sense, redesigned the semesters to go along with the BG5 success codes that Linda had put together within the report. So I had the training kind of follow along there so that there was some consistency and congruency. So I um, basically redesigned the BG5 certification and then started teaching from there. So it wasn't anything that I set out to do. It wasn't my intention. All I did was just follow my response and it was like following breadcrumbs, which led to the next, like I could not have even imagined being in the position that I'm in right now. Like I said, I had no idea. I just knew that I loved this information and because I have a training background, it comes very naturally to me. So I love it. I absolutely love it. And so from that, we then decided to have the business Institute as a separate entity from IHDS, just simply because it's a different audience. Mm -hmm. And this is a quote, I have a quote from Ron, this was his uh, vision from the very beginning with mm -hmm. BG5 is to have it in a sense, sort of as something separate and something different. So this is a quote from Ron. He said, only 4% of the population can be transformed. Everyone else needs to make a living. Everyone else has to survive with the level of consciousness they have. I cannot, in all honesty, abandon those beings. I know I can't wake them up. I know I can't transform their lives in the sense that we understand transformation. And yet, at the same time, the knowledge of human design is not just there for those who will wake up. It isn't. You can make a penta functional in a very simple way, and you don't have to be esoteric about it, and everyone's going to benefit. So one of his visions was also making it more accessible. One of the reasons why we changed some of the language to make it more business friendly, that people could not get caught up in the language, but to really understand what it is in a very practical way. So it's a way of being able to share it beyond the 4%. And it's really amazing that even just in knowing some of the basics, it can really transform a business as well. Like I said, all of my past in working with different companies, different corporations, different businesses, pulling all of that in, pulling in my training, pulling in my love for this work, it just is like the perfect storm. And I feel like I'm in the perfect place. I love it. I'd love to have you get to explain more about the difference between BG5 and what that actually is in relation to human design. Before that, I'm curious if you would tell us more in your own words or in your own experience about the sacral response. Mm. That's something I think that for people who are starting out or starting to experiment with this, it can be quite a journey to being able to discern what that really is and how to work with it in their life. So would you tell us about what sacral response means for you and how you experience it? Yeah. And I, I also am emotionally defined as well. So ultimately the way that I make decisions is through that sacral response, but then also waiting for clarity. And the magic of that is that I can really get out of my head and just in a sense, let my body take me where I need to go. So it's almost like following breadcrumbs. And I know 
for most of my life, I thought that there was something wrong with me and I was trying to fix it. You know, that's why I did Landmark and all of these other programs because I thought there was something wrong and I'm trying to fix myself. This is the first system ever that there's nothing to fix. You know, human design and BG5, there's nothing to fix. All you need to do is get out of your own way. And so for me, the decision-making strategy is how you get out of your own way. It's not about making decisions from the mind because the mind, you know, it's like, okay, you need to have a goal. You have to go out and make it happen, right? And it's not about, you know, having a goal and going out and making it happen. It's really about setting an intention. And it's sort of like the setting the intention gives me the focus, but then just allowing, in a sense, my body to take me where it needs to go. And when I allow that to happen, that's when magic shows up. Like I said, how I got here is not because I had a goal and I wanted to train, you know, BG5. It was because one thing led to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. I, like I said, I had that sacral response. I didn't jump right away. I kept coming back to the website. And instead of it getting weaker, it kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger. It was like I could not not do it. So that's the part of the waiting over time, not jumping into something immediately, but allowing things to unfold. And it's really magical. Just to, here's just a little example that I often use. I had a friend's website that I was working on. I used to train a lot of technology as well and build websites and that type of thing. So I was working on her website and I promised her I was going to get it done by Thursday. And it's like, oh, I just didn't have the energy to do it. So part of that sacral response is really recognizing your energy. And I didn't, I just didn't have the energy to do it. And I'm like, oh, and I was feeling guilty. <laughs> I was feeling like, oh, I'm going to let her down. And then she called me on Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to take this call because I'm going to have to tell her I haven't done anything. I talked to her and she said, you know what we, we talked about? I want to change everything. She literally changed everything I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as we got off the phone, it was like, boom, 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 boom. I did everything and I got everything done by Thursday. Like my body knew I didn't have the energy to do it. I didn't know why. Your mind can make up all these excuses of like, oh, you really should do it. You promised you'd do it. You know, I have uh, <laughs> willpower or the heart undefined, right? So trying to prove myself and just allowing it to be oftentimes things take care of itself. And as soon as she gave me those changes, boom, there was the energy boom, I got it done right away. But it was the waiting. The waiting not only gave me the right decision, but also the right timing as well. So waiting for that emotional clarity is what gives me that right timing. So I may have the gut response, but I have to wait for the right timing. Yeah. I love the point you're making about how there can be a response there. And then the mind could think, well, if I don't act on this right now, I might lose it or I might miss out on something. But you're naming this piece around, well, no, you can wait and you'll notice if the response is really true, it will persist. Mm -hmm. And then exactly. you'll know you'll have more clarity. You'll know more, more surely and also in sync with the timing mm -hmm. of the material world around you. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I love what you're saying about the responses following breadcrumbs and just kind of getting out of your own way. It seems like taking that approach or operating in that way allows us to stay more in tune with like the actual conditions, like what's happening, the timing of things. And what comes up for me is thinking about, I believe it's in BG5, it's builders and express builders, right? Mm -hmm. so, yep. The difference between a builder and an express builder, where it sounds like the builder is staying kind of in that flow in that moment, responding, 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 where an express builder would maybe just hit the ground running once they're in response. Is that the way you would look at it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the classic builder is more of the step by step by step. I'm a classic builder. I use the analogy of the tortoise and the hare, right? So the tortoise is step by step by step. Sometimes it's a little harder for us to change directions, but it's this step by step by step. And so again, uh, all I need to know is what the next step is, right? And then just follow the breadcrumbs to the next step. Now the express builder can 
respond much quicker and get to the finish line much quicker. They just have to be careful, however, because they can often get distracted as well or skip steps that should have been and having to go back. You know, I have a couple express builders as students that they thought, oh, I want to get all this information and I want to learn it all now. And so I gave them some of the recordings and they went and listened to all the recordings and then they went, um, okay, I'm going to just come back <laughs> and actually go through the class with you live <laughs> because I feel like I missed something, right? So, so it's possible that they can, but they also need to be very careful not to miss the steps as well. Mm-hmm. You're highlighting something really beautiful too about how often life can have something in store for us that we have no idea about. We yes. couldn't have imagined. We didn't know it existed. We couldn't have planned for it. We couldn't have had a vision for it and then made it happen. And yet, if you're following those breadcrumbs, things show up that take you somewhere that you never even knew you could go. Yeah. And how sad if we're so distracted by what we think we should be doing that we would miss out on that. How yeah. sad that would be. Exactly. It's almost like if we're trying to make decisions from our mind, it's like we have blinders. And it's literally, the opportunity is literally right in front of you, but you can't see it because you're so focused on what you think it should look like or how you think it should be, or, you know, what your goal is or what everybody else told you it should be that you miss the opportunity that's literally right there. So a lot of, I think, both BG5 and human design is in a sense taking down those blinders to be able to see the possibilities and really trust yourself, knowing that there's nothing wrong with you. I'm also a one three, we call it the public role. So it's in BG5 terms, the authority and the pioneer. So you can see the, the language is a little bit different, but the authority side is always a little insecure. And I used to always make that insecurity so wrong. Like what's wrong with me that I feel so insecure. Mm. Now I fully embrace it because that insecurity is just, okay, I just need to find a solid foundation. Something's a little off, right? I don't need to make myself wrong. It's just bringing to my awareness something that I need to bring some foundation. You know, and the three's always pulling the foundation rug out from under me. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then the one's got to go figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So it's part of the dynamic. I mean, that, that was a huge part in learning just to accept myself and not trying to fix myself. It's like, you're going to be insecure. It's okay. Yeah. It's part of who you are. And to really embrace that. That's great. I'm curious, since you mentioned emotional authority, I I still want us to talk about what BG5 is, because I'm suspecting there's some people listening who probably don't even really understand what it is, but we'll get to that. But I'm curious about how you see emotional authority in the context of business. Mm. How do you think businesses can embrace or relate to emotional authority? And what is it for the individual? And then how can people work with it materially in a way that supports better functioning for everyone? Yeah, that is a really great, great question. And it's a question that we get a lot because especially in business, it's go, 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 go. And you don't have time oftentimes to make those decisions. So one of the things that I train my students is if you do have that emotional authority, in a sense, you need to train those around you that you need time. And there's magic that happens if you have time, because oftentimes a lot of the fires that you have to put out are decisions that were made incorrectly in the first place. All right. So now you have to put out the fires. So one of the things to say is, for example, if somebody needs a decision, you say, when do you need that decision by? And if they say, I need it now, and you don't have a clear yes or no, then you just say, well, if you need it right now, then it's no. And it's being okay to say no, or you can say, okay, I need it by three o'clock. So at three o'clock, you'd come back and ask me again. And if you're still getting a, hmm, like, it's like the timing's not right. If it's a, hmm, it's, it's not correct now. So the answer is no, or asking, you know, can you give me a day to sleep on that? I'll get back to you tomorrow. If it's still not clear, then it's a no, because the timing's not right. Remember the, the emotional 
decision-making strategy is about the timing, right? The, the gut response is, do I have the energy or not? Right. And you may have the energy, you know, I've done it many times where I've had, you know, you go to a, a seminar and they, you know, they want to sell you everything. And you're like, yes, I want everything because <laughs> you're on this emotional high. And then you get home and the next day you're like, what the heck did I just do? <laughs> Why did I do all of this? So, you know, not making decisions on emotional highs or emotional lows and then giving yourself that chance. Oftentimes, you know, you may have an emotional high in the moment and two days later, you don't even remember it or you don't even feel it. It's like it went away, kind of just took care of itself. So that timing is really important. And I think the more and more businesses understand this and understand the different employees and their decision-making strategy, you can start to take advantage of that versus trying to force things. Like I said, most of the fires are, that you have to put out are made from incorrect decisions. So if you slow down enough and are able to say no, because a lot of people have a hard time saying no is part of the problem, right? They feel forced to make a decision now. And so if they're forced, they just say yes. If you're forced, say no. That's a great point. And a great point about it may feel in the moment like you're going slower or you're not getting as much done and you're not moving as quickly as you can, but the way you're explaining it makes it sound like it's actually much more efficient. Yes. It's much more efficient to do it in the right timing and to do it in a way that works for the people involved than to have it be rushed and chaotic and then have to go fix and adjust and correct a bunch of things that didn't work out very well. Right, exactly. Just like the example I gave you earlier, if I had done all of that work, forced myself to do all of that work on her website, and then she calls me, and then I have to change it all. Talk about frustration, right? You just forced yourself to do all of this work, and now you have to change everything. So in waiting, even though it felt really weird, and it felt like, mm, this may not be right, as soon as I got the correct information, and again, think of that in business too, get the correct information, then it's like the energy is there and everything flows, everything's very effective, very, everything's very efficient. Whereas most businesses, oh, we need to make the decision now, they force it, they push it, it just creates more chaos, more confusion, just like you were saying. So it is much more effective, much more efficient that way for everyone in the business. I love the practicality of the BG5 language and the perspective that you're sharing. It's interesting in a business context where normally things are set up to function a certain way. It's like we have our way of doing things. This is our process. This is how we do it. And yet it seems like the BG5 knowledge and having a sense of what that means for the individual can allow the person to, to still kind of stand in their own truth and not compromise themselves and yet be more successful or more productive or whatever it is in the context of that environment kind of brings up the quote that you shared of raw like it's a beautiful quote how to take the human design knowledge out or to help people in that context where honestly we all spend a, a lot of time and people need help yes exactly and even leaders too you know there's this interesting Mm, dilemma with leadership because we get trained to be a leader in a particular way. We have these particular ideas of how someone should lead. And they oftentimes leaders try to be who they're not. They try to be this leader that they've been trained to be versus leading from what's authentically them. And everyone has their own leadership style and when the owner, the leader, the manager, whoever it is, learns what their style is, one, they can relax into who they are and it's not as hard because oftentimes people lead and it feels uncomfortable. And so they want to take control of things because they think they need to be in control as a leader. And when they learn what their leadership style is, so there's you know several things that we take a look at and looking what their leadership style is, they can relax into that. And then understanding each of their employees and how they operate and how to simply communicate with them just based on their career type, just based on that and understanding how they make decisions, that alone without getting into the depth of all of the BG5 knowledge can have a huge impact. Can see that. 
BG5 is taking the human design knowledge, which if we look at the terminology and the way human design is presented, is a way of understanding your own energy, your place in your life and how you interact in the world and how your energy is designed to flow and all of that. BG5 is then taking that information and applying it to our material reality mm-hmm. in a very practical way. Yes. Um, are there other differences between the approaches that you would highlight? Of course, we use a, a different language, as we mentioned before, just to make it more business friendly, if you will. But the key focus is problem solution, right? That's what the focus is in business as well is, okay, what is the problem that they're facing? And based on the dynamics, either of their personal design or the dynamics of the team, you know, what is the solution to the problem? So it's really looking at the practical problem solution. And it's amazing how for the individual, you take a look at their shadows, you can see what the problems are. They speak about their problems, you can see it <laughs> as they speak about it within, within the shadows of their design or not following their decision-making strategy or trying to overwork if they're an advisor, et cetera, right? Or not doing what they love as a builder. Basically taking a look at the problem solution. I guess that's really the lens at which we look at it from. We take it one step further and taking a look at a deeper element of each of the dynamics. BG5, often people ask, what does that mean? It actually stands for base group five. And so the base group five is a penta, is a small group. It really is, in a sense, at the core, because if you think about it, even solopreneurs, one of the things that we take a look at in BG5 is that there are 12 business skills. So it's one of the things that we focus on in BG5 that we don't uh, focus on in human design is those 12 business skills. Even as a solopreneur, even if you're working solo, there are certain skills that you have, there are certain skills that you don't have. If you're not good at accounting, even as a solopreneur, you should hire someone who can do the accounting, right? That's one of the skills. If you're not good at PR, you don't have that skill. You should have someone, you know, help you with that. And so ultimately, if you take a look at what a penta is, a penta is three to five people. You know, it's not something huge. Take a look at how many times, like there's three of us speaking here, we're in a penta. So we don't have to even think of businesses as like, oh, it's just big, huge businesses. No, it's really... And when you get into OC16, that's a whole other animal. But even at that smaller level, you know, you can see the dynamics of a team of three to five people. You can see what skills they have or what skills are missing. And what's missing is often a gap. And it can be an advantage in a larger group, but it can be a very big disadvantage in a smaller group because it's where the energy is leaking. So you can see that. You can see the dynamics of the team where somebody may trigger someone and may not feel as comfortable on a team. So you can literally see the group dynamics that are going on behind the scenes. And if somebody wants to grow into a larger organization, the base group five is also a base of a larger organization. If you take a look at any larger organization, it's always broken down into smaller teams because that's the dynamic. So we still take a look at those 12 business skills, but within the context of something bigger within OC16. And OC16, OC stands for organizing channel and 16 is 16 people. So once again, it's not that large. Any larger group than that is just a combination of additional OC16s and additional pentas. That's how it grows exponentially. So knowing those dynamics, and when we get into OC16, it's also about lines of communication that create this ability to communicate in a more effective and productive way. But everything is based on that small group. I mean, we grow up in families, right? As soon as you have a family, you have a mother and father and a a child. Whether the parents are together or not, there is that dynamic. So that's what the base group five is, that is that penta, that small group dynamic. And in BG5, we take a look specifically at how do you work solo? How do you work in a small group? How do you work in a larger group? How do you work in partnership? And so that you can understand those dynamics and some people can work in all of them. Some, some people really are meant to just work solo or work in a large organization so that you know where you fit in and where you feel comfortable and where you can best express yourself. I think that's a very important piece as well. It's reminding me of when I was working in a small company in my twenties with, I think about that many, probably three to six people in close proximity. And I remember at one point, the woman who owned the business brought in 
some, a coach, you know, to work with us. And one of the first things this coach said was, you know, in, in a lot of situations, people will sort of assess strengths and weaknesses and then try to encourage everyone to improve their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And this coach came in and said, I'm not going to do that. I want to find out what your strengths are and then just do that. <laughs> just stick with right. your stick with your strengths. Let's not waste our time trying to get people to be good at things that aren't natural to them. Right. And then we optimize everyone's abilities and things can flow much more easily. Is that a view that you would say is pretty aligned with the BD5 approach? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things we talk about a lot is focus on what is your job and let everything else go. Because again, even, even with solopreneurs, right? You try to wear all of the hats, even in a small group or an organization, we try to wear all of the hats. We try to do everything. And then we make ourselves wrong because it's not working. That Women's Small Business Network that I started, I was the only person and I reached a certain level of success, but it never really took off. It never really completed my vision. And I'm designed to work in collaboration. I'm designed to work in partnership. As soon as I started working with Linda Bunnell, working in partnership, that's where everything is taken off. So just realizing that this was somebody that I came in contact with, she was sharing with me that this is if you have a split or if we have, we call it a collaborative assimilation. So she was just sharing with me her design and she was struggling the same way I was struggling. I was like, you're not designed to work by yourself. You're designed to work in collaboration. A month later, she came back to me and that was all I said to her about her design. Cause we were just like chatting. <laughs> she was just explaining her design. And a month later she came back and she's like, that one thing changed my entire business. Just knowing that I was designed to work in partnership has made all the difference in the world. Don't underestimate those little things. And again, you know, in partnership, you're doing what you do best, allowing your partner to do what they do best and not trying to wear all the hats, trying to be solo when I'm designed to work in collaboration. I'm trying to do everything and making myself wrong and feeling like, okay, if I just study it harder, if I just learn this piece more, then I'll be good at it. And it never worked because it's not me. And to be able to let that go and go, you know what? I'm not really good at administration and that's okay because <laughs> that's not part of, that's not one of the skills I have. So yeah. absolutely. It is really focused on what your strengths are, what you're good at, right? So it's one of the, the slides that we have. It's a quote from Einstein, basically saying, if we judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it's going to live its whole life feeling feeling like it's stupid because a fish is not designed to climb a tree. So it's the same thing. It's do what we do naturally. I think we have this idea that work has to be really hard. And if it's not hard, we're cheating somehow, or we're not really working, especially in this shift towards 2027. I think a lot of things are shifting and changing. And, you know, as a builder, we're here to do what we love and love what we do. As advisors, you're here to lead and guide the process like you're doing right now so beautifully. And so when you're doing that, it's like, why would I want to retire, right? <laughs> why would I want to stop doing what I'm doing? I love what I'm doing. And when you love what you're doing, it's not like work. And just imagine, I mean, the, the amount of people that are so disappointed with what they're doing and they're working just for money. And in a sense, they're sacrificing themselves and just come, becoming a slave to get a paycheck. That's not what life is about. It's doing what you love, loving what you do, doing what comes naturally, doing what brings you joy. And in a sense, the money shows up to follow. That's been my experience that the more aligned I am, and it's not about making millions of dollars. It's like you get what you need. You don't have to be a millionaire to get exactly what you need. And for some people, they are designed to be millionaires and what they can do with that money. You know, for others, it's not, but it's not a, it's not a race. It's not a, it's not a competition. It's being able to make a living doing what you love and loving what, what you do. It's part of what we talk about is the new currency. The new currency is success or satisfaction or peace or surprise. Because as a builder, if you're living in satisfaction, that's where your reward is. That's the currency that attracts exactly what you need. As an advisor, when you feel that sense of success, 
you know you're on the right track and you pull in exactly what you need as an innovator, right? Or manifester, it's that sense of peace, you know, and as the evaluator, as the reflector, it's that sense of surprise. So that really is the new currency. And if you are aligned to that, that's where the magic happens. And there's probably no extent to which we could enslave ourselves and make enough money to buy those experiences. Exactly. I just love that perspective that you're sharing. And you had mentioned earlier the shadow. And so I'm wondering, is there a connection between the shadow and the not self within the BG5 context? How is the not self looked at? Is it open functions? It is, could you explain a little bit of that? Yeah. Oh, actually, that is a really brilliant question. So one of the things that as part of the BG5 Business Institute as well is what we call the profit potential. And what's very magical about the undefined functions is, yes, it is our greatest shadow. Yes, it is what can throw us off track. It is what can have us make decisions from our mind. However, when we are aligned and we feel that success or we feel that satisfaction, that peace or surprise, when we are truly aligned in a sense that monster, which is our shadows, becomes in a sense our superpower because it becomes our wisdom. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we look at is how do you, in a sense, take advantage of that shadow? And really the only way that you can take advantage of it, the wisdom of it, is when you're aligned. Again, we're, we don't really talk about transformation, but when people are making decisions correctly and have that sense, again, that on the simple level, you know, have that feeling of success, you can utilize, in a sense, the traits that are in the undefined function become your profit potential. It becomes, in a sense, where your wisdom is that you are here to share with others. It is your outer authority. Ultimately, what we're here for is to share our wisdom, share our outer authority with others. So when you are aligned, you can use your design exactly to do what you need to do. And in a sense, those profit potentials are how you market. It's how you connect with others because also uh, the undefined functions are where we naturally attract others and it's naturally where we connect to others. So it becomes the best way to market yourself is by understanding what those profit potentials actually are that makes sense. That's really cool. I, I like the way you're describing that. It's about awareness of going out and having those experiences and understanding how those areas of your life work and seeing that things come to you in these ways and kind of living it, that has the potential to turn into a type of wisdom, which then can be, it's, it's almost like its own type of currency in the business world. Yes, exactly. Just as an example, I have uh, trait 64, gate 64, which is confusion four times in my design. And it's part of inspiration. So it's part of the head. It is this confusion, but the profit potential of that is in a sense to take that confusion and simplify it to make it so that people can really understand it, to take it in. Part of it is being able to do the work that allows people to get it, you know, to understand it, to assist others. Part of what that is is profit potential. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the work that I do at the BG5 Business Institute, it's in a sense, somebody called me the raw translator. So translating raw's material into this practical BG5 language. Like, for example, in putting together the OC16, I had to listen to it probably 16 times <laughs> before I get, like, could really get it and like, get it at a deep level that I could then translate it in a way and put it together in a way that made sense. Because raw is often you know, all over the place. So it's taking all this material and how do you put it into, as a classic builder, a step-by-step -step way that makes sense out of the potential confusion? And that's what I do in putting together the classes. That's ultimately how I profit as well, which also brings a lot of satisfaction to like, oh, and bring in this and this and this and see this and, and how this connects. And so it's something that brings me great satisfaction to put together. And it's part of my profit potential, but it can be one of my shadows of being confused and feeling like there's something wrong with me and, you know, that I'm scattered and I can't focus. So it can be my shadow, but when I'm aligned, it's something that brings me great satisfaction. Quick question on that. So it, you have the 64 defined in the open head function. 
right? Yes. How about the open gates and the open centers? Are they just looked at as a potential source of wisdom in themselves? Or how do you distinguish between like the activations in the open center and open gate? In right. So if it's an undefined function, right? So an undefined center, what we look at specifically for the profit potential are those traits that are defined. The reason that definition is a potential, it's something that's looking for what's on the other side. It's something that's a part of your design that you relate to, that you connect to, that automatically attracts others. That's why we look specifically at the traits. For example, if you have an undefined trait and an undefined function or undefined center, it's more general wisdom that you pick up from others and from the world, whereas the trait is much more personal. Does mm. that make sense? So even the undefined strengths, if you have an entire channel that's undefined or a specific undefined trait, even those provide wisdom. But you can get overwhelmed and there can be so many details and so many layers to it that it's like, can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So just focusing on those traits gives you something very specific that you naturally attract on the other side. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah, great question. <laughs> it's such a powerful reframing, I think, to talk about something like confusion and see that a pressure that you might feel in the head could actually become a source of inspiration through confusion. Where the confusion actually becomes something that gives you a way to contribute something. Yeah. And what a different way of looking at that rather than potentially feeling a certain amount of pressure, feeling confused, and then feeling like you have to find a way to get rid of it. Like, right. how do I, let me get rid of this confusion. It's a problem. What a different way to look at it to say, oh no, there's pressure coming in. It's actually a kind of inspiration and the confusion is part of the breadcrumb trail. It's actually part of something that brings out a certain gift. Yes. And I think that's the gift of human design as a system in general. No matter what the details of these different traits are, these different aspects of our nature, they all can serve something that's rewarding for us. Yes. Exactly. And nothing has to be subtracted or added. Yes. Yeah, it's, exactly. It all has a perfect place and time and context and function. And if we can discover that, then it does all become actually much easier than we think it has to be. <laughs> and I that I can just feel the energy coming off of you, which is something that I feel so grateful to get to experience for myself as well, when there's this sense of wonder about life. Like, oh my God, I actually love myself. I actually love my life. I actually love what I'm doing. And I don't even need to consider when I need to retire or how much money I'm getting or whether I'm going to get, like all of those things become irrelevant when you love yourself and you love your life and you love what you're doing. Yes, exactly. And especially, especially in these times. I mean, this has been a crazy year and it's affected everyone on the entire planet. And I think it's this knowledge alone that you can see it from a whole different perspective. It's kind of like you can see the unfolding of it. You can see we're headed towards 2027. And one of the things that Ra often said is that we've been lost in dependency. We've been dependent on all of these things. We've been dependent on the distractions. We've been dependent on entertainment. We've been dependent on being able, even recognizing our freedoms or lack thereof being able to sort of see it unfold. And even this interesting piece of this social distancing being six feet apart, I've just found absolutely fascinating. And then, you know, gathering in groups of less than 10, all of these things actually play into, you know, what we take a look at in BG5, because we have our aura, you know, what is it to work in aura and close to people? So now we're separated. So we have to, in a sense, depend more on ourselves and, recognize who we are without being distracted by the larger context of the OC 16. Even if we're in a group of 10, we're still not at the OC 16 level. So in a sense, it feels like this year has also been a global deconditioning program because we've been forced in a sense to face ourselves. And we're moving into the era, moving away from the era of planning, moving into the era of the individual where the more we understand ourselves, the more we love ourselves, 
the deeper that we can connect to others. It's not the way that we've connected with others in the past, which this uh, tribal bonding and this tribal agreement. And it's in a sense, what business has been about giving up yourself for the good of the tribe, working alone for the good of the tribe. We're moving away from that to what and who am I as an individual, the more individual, the more self-like you become, the more that you can connect to people more on a soulful level. There's a whole different way of bonding or a whole different way of connecting that is possible when we are aligned with ourselves, this ability to connect with others, not because of the tribal bond or the tribal agreement or the tribal bargain. I often use the analogy of the puzzle pieces. I was just uh, away and we were putting together a puzzle and you know you have the outward side of the puzzle, which is kind of what is defined in you. And you have the inward side of the puzzle, right? Which is where you connect with others. And when we are in alignment with ourselves, we fit perfectly into this puzzle that is humanity. Right now, humanity is a bunch of scattered pieces all over the place. And, you know, there's a few that are connected together, but otherwise it's, you know, it looks like just a big, huge mess. But the more that the pieces start to come together, you start to find what your place is. Oftentimes we like, oh, you know, I should be this. I should be that. I should do that. But when you find your place, it's easy. It's fun. It's perfect. I can relax. I don't have to have all this stress in my body. I can do what I love. I fit perfectly here. And that's okay. You don't, you don't need to be a piece on the other side of the puzzle. And I think a lot of people wish they were a piece that they weren't or wish they had a different design than they have. And when you just accept that this is what is, and this is who I am, then you can connect with people at a whole different level. There's so much that we talk about in design in terms of auric interaction. So what, what happens between us when we're in mm-hmm. proximity to each other in the body? And when we're looking at BG5 or we're looking at Pentas, we're looking at what is that aura functioning when we have a few people or several people together mm-hmm. in proximity. Now, suddenly we're in this era and we've been moving in this direction anyway, more and more people working remotely and more and more things happening virtually and online. And now we're in this era where there's even more distance and there's even more physical isolation. How do you see this information still applying in these situations when we're not in auric contact? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's something that we've been experimenting too, um, especially with a lot of the this virtual world. And we've been experimenting with our own Penta in the BG5 Business Institute. And one of the things that we have recognized and noticed, even if you are working remotely or virtually, there is still some kind of auric connection. Mm-hmm whether you're there physically or not. Now it's going to be much stronger and it's going to be much more conditioning if you're actually in aura. So this gives you an ability when you're working virtually to still in a sense, have a bit of that aura connection, especially if you can see each other visually, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so to be able to see each other in zoom or go to meeting or whatever. So if you can see people, it creates that connection you know, I've met with people that I haven't seen them and there's still something that's there. So I believe that that auric connection exists, whether you are virtual or whether you're in aura. When you're in aura, like I mentioned earlier, it's definitely stronger and I can definitely feel the difference. But I think we're also learning to appreciate that in a whole different way than we have in the past. Because in the past, we've taken it for granted because that's what life was about. Now, being isolated for almost a year now, you know, when you have that or connection, we really appreciate it and we can be aware of it at a whole different level that we haven't been able to in the past. So it's a really interesting question. It's something we're still experimenting with. But from our perspective and from our experimentation, these dynamics work orically as well. Non-orically, I should say, would they work remotely as well? That's what I meant to say. Yeah. We've spent a lot of time talking about it with John and I both having very open projector designs. We've talked about it quite a bit, what it's like to do sessions online or to interact with people online and how there's still so much energy and frequency that transmits. It's not the same as being in the body in proximity, but there is definitely something that transmits and It's also fascinating to look at in terms of this 
global era shift Mm -hmm. that we're talking about moving away from the ego definition, moving away from the tribal material working interaction and moving into this era where we're potentially moving toward the realm of the spirit. Things are transmitting through frequency and it doesn't even necessarily require material for that to happen. Yep. It's fascinating yeah. watching right now in real time. So it's interesting that you guys have been experiencing that as well. It's exactly as you described. I think you put it really well when I'm working with people on Zoom and in sessions, it, it, I can still feel it. I can feel when there's a certain type of frequency there or less of a frequency, but comparatively, like you said, it's a lot stronger in person. I like the point that you made about there's more energetic conditioning coming in in person. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to have that opportunity to, to now see both, like you're saying. And I think it may give us a, at least those of us who are paying attention to it, a finer appreciation of the subtle and to really kind of tune into these frequencies. And then yeah. you, you get in aura with someone and it's like, okay, wow, this is what that is. Exactly. I actually find that one of the differences is that if I'm interacting, like now interacting with you, I feel such a sense of your frequency and your energy in my body. I'm having that experience online with people and with friends and family and clients. I think one of the biggest differences is that once I get offline, you know, once the session is over, the computer's closed, the energy doesn't stick with me very long. Mm. I don't actually feel like I'm carrying it around and processing it as long as it does when I'm actually physically with someone else. Yeah. I can also remember lectures hearing when Ra talked about what a huge shift it was for him when the whole internet era of education took off and he no longer had to teach in front of people's bodies, but was able to teach in his own aura, in his own space and still reach dozens and dozens and hundreds of people around the world, what a huge difference that was. And in some ways, I think he suggested that it was helpful, you know, to his body. I can actually hear it in his voice, the difference between the lectures that he's done in person, in aura, and the ones that he's done online. There's a different frequency in his teaching. And there's, in a sense, almost like a gentleness, I find, when he was teaching online versus you know, I feel more of that innovator, I don't know, angst or whatever <laughs> when he's uh, when he's teaching in person. So I can even, I can feel it in his voice, the difference between the recordings, yeah. being online and being in aura. And, you know, it's interesting. He talked about this in OC16, just the dynamics that he had. He had one of the OC16 strengths, uh, which is the 5125. However, it's a very, very small power base. So OC16 is divided into different power bases. And so there's only a certain power base that can really hear him, especially when he's in a a live group, you know, and then everybody else in that power base then takes it out to everybody else. But he could recognize that dynamic, you know, so, so knowing that, and again, not making yourself wrong if you know how it works best for many people, it does work best. You can work solo, you can work by yourself. And I thought it was fascinating what you said, Amy, about you don't then carry that frequency with you as long. So you're able to, to shed that much quicker. That makes a lot of sense. Feels like a big benefit. And I've certainly talked with a lot of projectors during this time who were kind of in love with quarantine. <laughs> they were just sort of like, thank God, thank God I have reason to be able to just be forced to be in my own aura and also be freed from a certain level of social obligation and interaction that was actually very, yes. very taxing and intense for my body. Yes. And yet, um, if we can still have an exchange, it's just a fascinating experiment to be watching for all of us. Most definitely. Right now. And a kind of strange silver lining on, on the disruption. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, it feels like a big humanity social deconditioning program this year mm-hmm. with all that social distancing. Very fascinating to watch. Well, one of the things I've gotten from this is just how inspiring it is to be able to think about business in terms of it being easier and more empowering and more natural for all of the individuals involved, rather than business and work being something that 
involves some necessary level of sacrifice and or feeling of loss of freedom or loss of autonomy or loss of energy yeah to the business world and in terms of the material world and i think even where we're moving we're moving more into in a sense a capitalistic type of environment so i believe that there are going to be newer smaller businesses i don't think the large corporations the large organizations the large governments the large educational institutions health institutions those are we can see it we're witnessing it right now they're starting to break down you know so what's going to fill that gap and i think bg5 and human design and and oc16 this is the time as ross said it's end time knowledge but it, it's as we transition into this new era this is what's going to give people the tools that they need to move forward into the future successfully and really understand who they are and where they fit and be okay with that, to be able to play with that and to enjoy that and to love that. I can feel that shift happening right now. We're in that seven-year cycle towards 2027. So the shift is happening now. It's been happening for a long time. It doesn't happen overnight, but now we're actually seeing the results of it. And in many respects, I feel like BG5, when Ra delivered it, the business world wasn't ready for it yet. Mm -hmm. But I believe more and more we're at that leading edge of this is what the business world's going to be searching for and what it's going to be needing, especially in the next seven years as we transition into this new era. And there's going to be a completely different approach to what business is all about. Oftentimes people make capitalism wrong, but we really haven't been living in a true capitalistic society. It's been sort of this pseudo capitalism, right? It's been hijacked a little bit, these large corporations, organizations, et cetera, which were possible in the era of planning, but are not going to be possible in the same way moving forward as we get in touch with who we are as an individual, what our gifts and skills and talents are, and what we're here to provide and give to the world. Uh, because ultimately, we're here to share our wisdom. And if we think of business, not in the old business context, but really as entrepreneurs, as expressing what our gifts are, expressing what our talents are, and then getting paid for it, or having some kind of exchange for being you, for delivering what you're here to deliver and the wisdom that you're here to share. As Ra said, we're here to share our outer authority. That is really what we're here to, in a sense, get paid for. I think money is going to change too. So I don't know what that's going to look like yet, but I think that whole thing is going to change. And that's why I brought up earlier the new currency of success and satisfaction and peace and surprise. Very cool. Wonderful. Did you have more, John? I just, just love how you describe everything and the language that you use and your perspective. It's so clear and so grounded at the same time. And I think that's probably who you are, a part of you, but it's also just the work that you've done in the BG5 context that really comes through. And it's really nice to hear. And I've, I've been having this experience through the podcast today of you answering questions that I'm getting ready to ask. It's like talking about work crossover across the distance or electronically and it's a really strange thing, but yeah, it's felt really aligned and really clear to me and been really nice to, to do this with you. Well, it's been such a joy to work with both of you. You guys are amazing. I love the podcast. I've just started listening to them and just the questions that you ask and the level of detail that you go into. Like I've worked with Lynette, you know, since, since I started working for the BG5 Business Institute, but just listening to her and her experience and getting to know her, you guys really bring out that essence of the people that you're talking with. And so I just really so appreciate what you're doing. I think it's really needed and it's really great to get to know other people in the community too, and where they started and how they came upon it and what their journey is. And it's just been really, really fun. You guys are doing an amazing, amazing job. So thank you so much for this opportunity to get to know both of you and to talk with you, but also uh, thank you so much for the work that, that you're doing in helping introduce people to what human design, BG5, all of this is all about. I think it's an important role. So thank you so much for doing that. 
Thanks, Karen. I appreciate that. Yeah. Are you working with individuals? Are you mostly working with groups or mostly teaching? Can you share? Um, I'm primarily I'm primarily teaching. So that is really my focus. I do uh, occasionally, if a session comes up, I'll do one here and there. But uh, my primary focus at the moment is teaching. So you can find me at the BG5 Business Institute. So it's the bg5businessinstitute.com. You can also check out our courses. So I, I teach the entire curriculum, basically have created the curriculum um, of all of the courses that we currently have. Even if I'm not the instructor, you know, what's in the background and putting together the, the flow of the courses is something that I've worked with and created. So, you know, I've gotten a lot of support and help and input from others as well. So it's not totally all me. But that's what I love too. I mean, from the very beginning, I didn't want it to be about me. I really want to have this expand in a big way. So training others and other instructors to really take in this information and be able to teach it and deliver it with the same spirit is one of the things that is really important to me as well. I'm really very humbled to be able to do this. You know, sometimes I go, how did I get here? <laughs> how, how, you know, so I feel very honored. I feel very blessed. And I think this is part of when you find and many people have many things throughout their lives. Sometimes it's, you know, and I've had many things throughout my life, but this feels like ultimately what all of those experiences have led to is this. And like I said, I don't want to be looked upon as a guru or anything else. I just feel very humbled and honored. And it just brings me a lot of satisfaction to be able to share this information. Like that's what it's all about. And it's, you know, it's, I don't know, every, every day I can't believe that this is what I do for work. And like I said, if you love what you do and do what you love, you don't work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's really just a, a pleasure and a gift. I mean, I could talk about this forever. I could talk with both of you all day long. That's, <laughs> I, I just love this. Well, hopefully we'll get the chance to have you back and thank you for what you're doing to make this accessible and to translate it for people. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure, an absolute honor. Thank you for all that you do. And I look forward to staying connected. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Human Design Collective podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please review us and share. For more information about us and to connect with others on this experimental journey, please visit us at humandesigncollective.com. You can also learn more by exploring our course and workshop offerings at courses.humandesigncollective.com. Music for the Human Design Collective podcast, courtesy of Role Model. For more information, see the show notes. And please stay tuned for more upcoming episodes on the same channel.